everyone, and welcome to episode 143 for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in, you guessed it, Abu Dhabi. I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau. And the championship has been decided already, and Vettel wins everything, so we can just close up shop till yeah, January. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, it's basically nap time, right? I mean, that's, that's what this show will be, because it's going to be boring. Well, well, maybe. Except for the things that happen. I mean, here's the thing. We still love watching it, and we still love talking about it. So, yeah, Vettel won, Red Bull won, okay. But you know what? Sebastian Vettel was not on pole for this race, and there was a whole lot going on. I mean... He was one whole position away from hey, pole position. But the, the the chase for second place in both the Constructors' and Drivers' Championship is still pretty exciting, and the drivers that are shooting for it are still working hard to get it. Yeah, that's true. No, there's definitely some... Uh, quite a bit of... of proper like wheel-to-wheel racing action not just sort of pit strategy and whatnot but actual like this guy wants to get around that other guy on the track and they have to do that and uh in some cases we're successful we actually had uh no no safety cars or any kind of major collisions uh, i guess reikonen would may consider his what was it just turn one it was like not even into turn one but the entry to turn one right uh lap one uh, where, you know, just kind of... I, don't, I wouldn't say it was... I, mean, I think Kimi would argue he got to the apex cleanly. Yeah. It was exiting when it happened, but yeah. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, you know, clobbered the side of uh, Guido Vandegaard's car, but it, it just uh, broke Kimi's suspension, uh, and that was day done right away for him. So I guess that would be a major crash. But otherwise, you know, no, nothing, you know... Certainly not super... major in the bits flying off cars kind of way, but just major in terms of... A uh, 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 meaning right. for the season, right? But it, it was—I have to say—it was a fascinating race from the Vettel perspective in just how dominant he was. I mean, Vettel's gotten good at running away from it in the front, but this, even for him, was crazy. Right. I mean, it was a you know a Red Bull one two, and you think, okay, yeah, the same car, whatever. They're going to be—it's going to be the Red Bulls and then everyone else. But no, it was Red Bull, Vettel. And then 30 seconds back was Mark Webber. And I'm sure if he wanted to make it more, Vettel could have made it more. I mean, by the end, by the last he was, 20 laps. Rocky you know? was constantly telling him to calm down right. and slow down. And these are your targets and these kind of things. Right. So, you know, it could have been, you know, he could have lapped almost everybody if he really, you know, set out to do so. But, uh, yeah, it was just an incredible performance. And, you know, one wonders just, uh, you know, especially as we see next year with uh, Daniel Ricciardo and the other Red Bull, you yes. know, if he's anywhere close or not or whatever, it's like, you know, it, but it would it just nobody had anything for them. Like you say, he, uh, Vettel didn't even start on pole today, but um, he was just able to within sort of two corners just you know get out in front and I mean stay really, out in front again and, at the start is where he had an advantage, right? And just already started to pull away just right off the bat, and Absolutely. then never really looked back. I mean, he was you know able to build up enough of a lead over the Ferraris, pit, come back out, stay in front, still comfortably. You know, it wasn't even close then. It was right. just just you know whatever whatever it was he was doing was the right thing. And uh, everyone else was scrambling behind him. But there was some fun in that scrambling, uh, like we talked about. I mean, some good um, intra-teammate battles with uh, Ferrari between Alonso yes. <laughs> yes. and Massa. And that, I mean, these are the things. We're not going to have to talk about the results of the race too much. But some definitely some interesting things unfolded, both in just the, um, I'll, I'll go English here, in the controversy that was going on. No, uh, no one says it like that. Oh, oh, then controversy. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll say it correctly. <clears throat> anyway, the um, things that were going in between the races, uh, Kimi Raikkonen just happens to come up when you think about that. 
and then also just a little bit of what happened in the race itself, but not necessarily the race results because it was very straightforward who won the race. And then uh, Mark Webber did a great job to hold on to second place. Uh, he didn't get caught in some weirdness. And so that was nice. In a weird, small way, that was kind of a victory. And then uh, Nico Rosberg rounding on the podium for a very, um, very strong result for him and uh, helping to push Mercedes ever closer to being that best of the rest team, um, second in the Constructors' Championship. And finally, uh, yet again, Romain Grosjean did not end up on the podium, but he was fourth, you know, one step away. So he's he is definitely forming into the driver that Renault hoped he would be. If only there were a term for the uh, the favorite member of a team, um, <laughs> specifically with some glitzy color and the gender of that yeah, person. Yeah, there were only maybe some precious metal we could use yeah. attached to a gender. I don't know how the term golden boy got thrown around so much this weekend, but apparently it was Romain has become the golden boy of Lotus, and Vettel just the golden right. boy. Maybe that was since his old hair highlight thing, you know, yeah, Vettel's well, become the golden maybe boy. Maybe that's what but... it was. And Romain does have, you know, a mane's worth of hair that he, you know, he probably gets a haircut like three times a week just to keep the mane down because he, he was descended directly from lions, but in a very French kind of way. Right. I mean, some people get like a 5 o'clock shadow and that's like a beard thing. Romain gets like a 9 a.m. shadow, <laughs> but it's, it's, like a, it's like his hair. It's, it's a whole different uh, situation. And he cuts it at 8.30. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it was a fascinating race to watch. Uh, to be honestly, what I want to talk about first and foremost and maybe this is just me jumping on the bandwagon, as it were, but Kimi Raikkonen, everything went down with him. And it all really started in the race last week in India, where uh, Kimi was not just letting Romain Grosjean by, even though Romain Grosjean's car was clearly, clearly faster at the time. So, I don't know, what's your take on well, it? Well, that's so certainly that's where it started, and... You know, Kimi wasn't getting out of the way fast enough to the liking of the team. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, internally, you know, if he was thinking, oh, I'm going to stick it to these guys because they owe me money. I mean, it's, you know, or, or if it was really just like, I'm trying to drive my own race as well. I don't want to go way out of my way to let this guy buy and potentially lose other spaces or, you know, whatever was going on in his head. I think it's the latter, the, by the way. The way that it came together um, was, of course, the team yelling at him, Kimi, get the F out of the way or right. get out of the effing way. I think that's the deal. Yes. Um, it was which, either or. Right, which is that seems to be like that's, for me, where it kind of went haywire, okay? Rather than saying, Kimi, you know, your teammate is three seconds faster than you, like, what are you doing? You know, there's there's ways to. I mean, and and I guess we don't know the whole chronology of what was said on the radio when, but we obviously did hear the uh, the choice words. Um, so and he said, oh yeah, you know, it's like I I, I know I'm going to get out as soon as I'll get out of the way as soon as I have a space to like whatever. You don't have to effing yell at me or something right. something to that effect. So it was this obviously this heated exchange. Um, but here's the thing. So there was that heated exchange, uh, right. which you know we'll have our opinions about in a moment. But then what I found even more fascinating was. The fallout afterwards, like the next, the articles that came out a day or two afterwards were uh, Eric Bouvier saying, oh, you know, we're sorry with what Kimi said on the radio and this kind of stuff. And we're like, we're sorry that this happened with the team. We're, we're going to have a serious talk with, you know, our drivers and the team. And it was like, hold on. I mean, this is just my own opinion now. It's like, hold on. The team, not the driver, is at fault for this one. Yeah. I, I, I feel pretty strongly that... Uh, Kimi has a reputation, absolutely. Is he the easiest person to work with in the Formula 1 paddock? I doubt it. But, come on, for the team right in the middle of a Formula 1 driver 
doing what he gets paid to do uh, and all bent up on emotions to start yelling at the guy at that moment. It was just terrible timing, really poor uh, decision making on the team side, not on the drivers. Right. I think that, and that, that's why I say that's kind of where it fell off the rails of a normal, you know, maybe slightly heated team exchange into something that's worth talking about yeah. uh, and, and discussing. So then uh, partly then, you know, fueled onto that fire was then that Kimi did not show up to the typical Thursday stuff in Abu Dhabi, which um, was actually, you know, they, every, they, he was in interviews and stuff in the, uh, in the paddock at India was saying, yeah, I'm not going to be part of that. Um, I, uh, you know, I've, I've got other stuff I've got to do. He wanted to actually go home to Switzerland for a day or whatever. So that was like ahead of time. It was known that he wasn't going to be in the paddock. But of course, the fact that he wasn't there on Thursday, all of a sudden was a big dramatic thing. Oh, Kimi's not here. Is right. there a problem? Exactly. Is this rift getting bigger? Which I think was just a story being, you know, blown out of proportion. Uh, but I guess I do see the point that now, um, Sebastian Vettel has clinched the championship. There is uh, more, you know, the journalists, I guess, have a slightly harder time selling us, the random viewing public, on why we should watch the races. So I guess I understand that they're going to try to take that and, and make as much of a story as they can and say, oh, there's drama here and there's drama there. And just because the title's decided, there's always this. Right. But a few, and then so a few of the facts uh, remain. And then, of course, after all that, then for qualifying, okay, Kimi qualifies well, qualifies fifth. But there's a technical problem with the floor of his car. doesn't meet the requirements. He's disqualified from qualifying. He has to start at the back of the grid. Obviously, that sucks. In any situation, you know, it's not the driver's fault. It's probably not really the team's fault. It's just something went wrong. Uh, the car didn't meet all the requirements. Okay, I don't think anyone was trying to cheat. You know, it wasn't, you know, but it was. Exactly. The, 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 the way people get talking about it, it's like, oh, this adds fuel to the fire. It's like, I don't think it really does. No, so, I mean, it was really, I completely agree with you, it was two different incidents that just happened to be, uh, around the same time, so it's coincidence that um, Kimi has some bad luck with the team right when it's clear that he's not the team and the driver aren't entirely happy with each other. But the fact of the matter is, um, they haven't paid Kimi all season. That's frustration, and Kimi's still been racing and he's been racing well, and he's going to Ferrari next year. All those things are just simple facts. And guess what? Drivers switch teams um, all the time. That that happens, and so. The fact that I think Kimi has a reputation he does is part of it. And um, Lotus, I think largely up until very recently, they were struggling with funding. They were trying to work a deal with, uh, I believe they're called Quantum. Yeah. Quantum funding, something like that, whatever. Quantum funding, Quantum whatever. And um, and I think that was the biggest trouble was the Lotus didn't have security with where the funds were going to come from to race next year, let alone – um, who, what driver is going to be, and if they can uh, push for even higher in the championship in 2014 and beyond, all these kinds of things. And I think, in my opinion, uh, uh, some people let their frustration boil over onto Kimi Raikkonen in an unfair way. Right. So what's weird about it, you know, and then the, also this is conversations before this race and during, of, oh, Kimi might not come to the last two races, you know, he just may not show up at all, which is... Uh, you know, uh, there may be some precedent for that way back in the day, but certainly not something we've heard of in forever. Um, and, and that was usually more tied to, yeah, like, hey, too many people have died this season or something right, much not, more drastic. Not not just, uh, you know, hey, my you know my engineer was yelling at me over the track or maybe it was debatable whether I pulled over for my teammate and with you know quickly enough or whatever. But like you say, I mean, the fact that he's moving teams at the end of the year makes a lot of this not that big of a deal. I mean, in, in a way, because... You know, it's not there where, um, 
you know, this where it's like, oh, he's in contract negotiations and maybe this, the, you know, this little rift could become the difference in his career. It's like, no, probably not. He's got, you know, what was three, now two more races to go right. um, with this team. And then he's going to go to Ferrari. I don't think anything that's happening here is going to make Ferrari look and go, oh, let's cancel this contract we had with this great driver who we want to hire and get a lot of points. Very unlikely. I mean, you a know? driver that brought them their most recent world championship, <laughs> right. by the way. Yeah. So, you know, and, and so like, okay, even if, it's the worst possible relationship um, and, and things really do properly fall apart with talks with Kimi and the team, then, okay, then, you know, Lotus would bring in the reserve driver for the last two races or whatever. Um, and and then in, in, you know, March next year, Kimi's driving for Ferrari anyway. So it's like even that, which would be a pretty extreme thing, is not the biggest deal in the world. I mean, this is not like, you know, Vettel losing his seat at Red Bull or something where it's like, oh my God, how could this possibly happen? Or, right, you know, this right, is really right. changing the fees of the sport. It's Although like, that would be cool. Vettel is losing his seat at Red Bull because he did too many donuts. <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> so, but, yeah, I mean, and I completely agreed. And then, you know, as a corollary, you know, there was like, oh, Kimi threatening not to race in the final races and so on and so forth. That already we've seen articles saying, oh no, that's all settled now. Kimi's going to get paid what they, they've settled that part of it. He is going to go to the final two races. You know, that's more or less settled. I'm not thinking it's going to be, you know, lollipops and sunshine and happy times uh, for the last two races between Kimi and the team necessarily, but they're going to get it done. Not all Finns represent the lollipop guild after all. That is pretty much Hecky Kovalainen has got that unlocked. But, yeah, you can't mess, you can't mess with uh, Hecky on that, that one. That is an old, old reference. <laughs> <laughs> that one takes me back. And then, yeah, and then, so then... On top of all that, then Kimi has arguably the worst race ever in that, yeah. uh, and that it, it lasted all of you know 100 yards, and then you know the car had to pull over and stop. So, you know, so neither the disqualification from Quali um, had nothing to do with it. it wasn't oh the, the drivers being bad or we're punishing the team like that was just this technical issue. And then also his uh, you know then I'm sure he would have been more frustrated and probably you know trying harder than he ought to have been for a moment. But again, his early retirement wasn't like. Hey, you guys! I'm just going to go park this car because you know, screw you! I'm I'm Kimi Räikkönen. I mean, well, it was just like it was unfortunate that it all kind of came together in a bad way. But even so, it's you know, none of that is really the the hugest deal in the world. And uh, and like I say, there are all these un- unrelated or maybe only very slightly related incidents that just all happen to be kind of coming together at the same time. So hopefully, in two weeks' time for the U.S. and then a week later for Brazil, um, the finances are sorted out now. You know, Lotus can announce you know who their who their second driver is going to be. You know, with uh, well, well, both. I guess technically, technically yeah, they yeah. haven't even announced. I mean, uh, Grosjean. Romain Grosjean. I mean, certainly uh, both sides of the table here agree that Romain is earned his place in that team, and him being La French and the team being La French in uh, in sorts anyway. Sort of. Um, is a good fit, and it's it's. I have to give that team credit. They are scrappy. They just keep being competitive, right? Um, but uh, and the word on the street is the deal with Quantum is, is that they want the new management uh, want uh, Nico Hulkenberg. You know, I yes. think they're looking very like everyone is looking at well who who was on the market and who's doing the best and, and that comes and despite go, the oh, fact look. that pastor maldonado was most recently said the most likely candidate because he could bring so much money right and i think that may have been the deal is sort of the new guys are like all right all right all right i find you know like i finally we showed up we've got the money don't hire that venezuelan <laughs> guy like we've got this we can get the driver we really want rather than settling for the guy that's got all the money so that's you know none of this is really confirmed or anything yet but sort of seems to be the uh the talk right now which is you know, arguably for the better. It seems like, uh, you know... Well, I mean, be... we all agree that Nico Hulkenberg deserves to get in the best car possible, right? I think that's fairly universal as well. Although it's, you know, I guess, uh, you know, Pastor Maldonado has shown ability to do some pretty amazing things sometimes as well. So it's... it's Pastor you know, has more wins than Nico ho- does. Ho- that's true. 
uh, than a lot of guys, really. Uh, huh. So, uh, you know, hopefully, Pastor Maldonado, you know, it's like uh, it shouldn't be held against him, the fact that he brings lots of money. I mean, in, in, in a way, that's one of the most successes you can have in motor racing is to have lots of money behind you. Couldn't agree with you more. It, but but <laughs> <laughs> what the thing that thing that I mean, and I, I genuinely believe that Pastor brings tons of passion and heart uh, to the sport and that he, he has when he's on, he has tremendous skill. The problem is it's just not consistent. It almost seems like he's almost like that scrappy, energetic guy that has good talent but has so much passion that that helps him uh, overcompensate at times. Whereas Nico Hulkenberg just has tons and tons of talent. And he's just, especially in the second half of the season as they've improved the Sauber a little bit, has really been able to highlight his abilities and just come to his own and just prove to the world that he was not any kind of one-trick pony or got lucky at Williams a couple years ago, that he is a top-level driver. Multi-trick pony. Multiple tricks in this pony. Well, I mean, because certainly the Williams has not been the easiest car to drive um, the last few years. So, you know, hopefully, yeah, something can come together either to, you know, make that car better. I mean, that is, you know, one of the classic names of Formula One. So it is uh, a shame to see them uh, languishing as they have. But Williams has actually not com- uh, confirmed any drivers yet for next year. And um, and technically, McLaren Mercedes has only confirmed Jensen Button as well. So that even, um, you know, the Paris seat is in a little bit of question, although it seems probably a formality at this point. But if it's a done deal, then why yeah. not? I mean, it, Perez you know? is also a is also a driver that has money behind him. Right. I mean, it's a big, big part of it. Right. Um, the the interesting interesting segue, though, in my mind, because I was thinking about, so here's my guess, is that if the Lotus thing doesn't work out, I would say it's more likely than not that Pastor will indeed stay at Williams. If he does, does that mean that he's going to have Felipe Massa as a teammate and it's going to be an all-Central slash South American team at Williams? Well, I would say all South American, but... Well, would Venezuelan... Oh, yeah, because Venezuelan's um, not on, in the... On the yeah, continent. Because it's South, South. Okay. Ah, uh, geography. Yes. So, you know, all-American dream team. More or hey, or South America. I know. I'm That's with America, that. too. Yeah, no, that'd be, that'd be cool. If, and that also has not been confirmed, although, you know, been talked about and whatever. And, um, yeah, that, that would be an interesting mix of experience and, and talent and, you know... And Pastor Maldonado. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Pastor's there too. No, you know who knows if uh, if maybe they can work something out and it all kind of comes together well. And, and uh, probably not though. I don't. Know. I mean, Venezuela. They are Spanish speaking, not Portuguese. I'm right because it's pretty much Brazil and Portugal. And does anyone else speak Portuguese? There's like a couple of other little places, but but yeah. not Venezuela. Right. No. Yeah. It's so funny. I was thinking I was gonna say South American, but then I was like, no, wait, 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 wait. Venezuela. Okay, Central and South. Then you're like, you no. looked at me in that. Don't be totally retarded. Look. Wait, can we say retarded? Is that retarded for saying retarded? Oh, boy. Don't be silly, Robin. Um, don't worry. We'll edit all that out. Yeah. <laughs> Moving uh, along. But uh, I, I find it fascinating. But more broadly, uh, I think that um, it's really interesting to me to see Amasa come out of his shell a little bit. I mean, he was very much the ferrari team driver and very much just always towing the team's line and always being very careful with his words when interviewed you could tell he was 
upset about certain things, the way Alonzo got treated versus he did and all this kind of stuff. But now that it's totally known and in the public that he is not driving a Ferrari in 2014, and he's been very clear that he wants to keep driving in Formula 1 in 2014, it does seem like a, you know, a spark has been lit, and he's driving better again. He's being more competitive and more competitive against Alonzo. And I wonder, personally, how much of that is just his motivation to just keep staying in Formula 1, and how much of it is him no longer listening to Ferrari in terms of his, you know, his ability over Alonso. Yeah, I mean, there was, you know, from uh, two races ago uh, where he's, you know, he's ignoring team orders and sort of, you know, you can kind of imagine him doing that and thinking, you know, he gets a call on the radio and says, oh, you got to move over for Alonso. And he kind of like nervously sort of like, oh, man, what if I don't, you know, could I, could I get away with that? And then when he did get away with it and the team was like, yeah, we understand he's got his own career and whatever. Now he's like, ooh, okay, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that's so that's how it is, you know. So then now, right. so then this time, you know, he's like, not I'm, well, you he's know. out qualifying Alonso, right? He's out qualifying, and you know, which, but to that we didn't really talk about that, you know, Alonso not making it into Q three, and which may have just been sort of a miscue on sort of the timing and whatever. I think he probably would have had the outright pace if you know it had come together. But Jim, don't undersell undersell yourself. You and I have been saying for years that Alonso's got has uh, been writing checks he can't cash. I mean, come on, I mean, this guy has just been floating. Just coasting in. Come on, he's not even that good. Right. I never even thought he was that good. I bet I'm faster. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> but with Massa now, uh, you know, sort of knowing how it is with the team or whatever. Now this, you know, this race, um, and you know, I thought after the race, uh, certainly on our coverage, you know, Will Buxton asked him this question about, okay, well, in the second pit stop, do you think they were, you know, they slowed you down intentionally because it was a second slower pit stop, and that meant that. Uh, you know, he didn't get out in front of, uh, you know, stay in front of Alonso after they cycled through on pitch Which and is whatever. contrived. But... Um, which maybe, but, you know, Massa did sort of take it and run with it. And was like, yeah, the strategy, you know, why wasn't he go back on the softs? And he sort of like, you know, no, you know, wasn't holding back about what he really thought about right. and so on. So which is kind of interesting to sort of see him, um, you know, really break out from that. I mean, and that, that also me, could be desperation, though. I mean, if it's now bit. we're getting down to, you know, the season, of course, is winding down. You know, this musical chairs is still happening for now. But, you know, he doesn't want to be the one caught out when the music stops, as they say. Huh. So, well, but I mean, that could I mean, I thought I thought Moss's point was totally legitimate. I mean, you and I said this on the couch as we were watching. Massa went in for pit stop earlier than Alonso. Okay, that could still be slightly team favoritism or whatever. But why didn't Massa get the soft tire instead of the medium tire? Which, you know, he thinks, and we totally agree, that the softer tire would have lasted until the end of the race, even though he had 20 laps to go instead of, you know, 16 or 17, whatever Alonso had. Right. And and uh, that's something he was upset about. Why did they put him back on mediums instead of giving him the soft, uh, soft tire with more more grip, which would have lasted till the end of the race? It would have given him a better chance to get around folks and be competitive. And I mean, of all the of all the people from an entertainment point of view, Massa put on I would say one of the best shows of the of the Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess. Uh... Alonzo's near miss with Vern was uh, was up there, that but Massa, of course, was involved. You know that was, that was sort of part of the deal. Um, yeah, and, and it seems like you know it's, it's it's weird. It seems like they would have a bit of back and forth about the tire before they change onto that. Of like, hey, you know, come and box this lap, and we're going to put you on these tires. And he'd be like, oh no, I think we can do this or that. Like it doesn't seem you know it seems like Massa of all people shouldn't be puzzled about why the why the call was made after the race. And maybe wow. that's just the way it works at Ferrari. They say, maybe they were saying team, you know, maybe team orders works both ways and maybe Moss is Eddie wanted the softs and they were like, hmm, maybe you should have let Alonso buy that last race. Hey, maybe. And you then know. he's rightfully uh, lashing out. So who knows? I mean, hopefully he can 
you know, do what he wants to next year because it would be weird to have a season without a Brazilian in it, uh, which would be uh, which could be the case next year if uh, Massa doesn't actually get signed up somewhere. Right, but you know, he he has been talking with uh, several teams. Uh, it's it's interesting, you know. Valtteri Botas seems like he's a guy with some proper skill. Maldonado, I mean, all joking aside, he's quick. He's just not consistent. Sometimes he's really quick. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't, I don't, I don't know where to put that. You know, could he? Is he just like a little bit too energetic? And if he were calmed down a little bit, I mean, honestly, Romain Grosjean uh, fit that, uh, fit that, uh, 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 that uh, perspective really closely. You know what I mean? So uh, he just had to mature a little bit, and maybe Maldonado could be potentially really quick, but. Um, but then, I mean, the cars too. I mean, that's very different. You know, I guess being finding true. the speed and getting consistency in a Lotus is a different job than doing so in a Williams. I but, would imagine. And that, but that's just it. Is you know, Massa, Massa is showing to us that he still has some, still has some energy left. And you know, because I mean, just to be frank, I was I was more or less writing him off too, and that's not right. For me to do, I'm certainly not saying that, but he's he's proving me wrong. At least he's changing my mind, and I think that yeah, you know, he would do perfectly well in a Williams. Um, and a Williams is kind of the bottom of the barrel. I wouldn't want to see him in a Caterham or a Marusha or something like that. I'd like to see him in something that at least has midfield capabilities. I mean, to me, that's kind of a minimum standard. If not, dude, come here, come to the stage, jump in any car. Yeah, man. I mean, that's a lot of his uh, a lot of his compatriots and other sort of XF1 guys, and you know, obviously Rubens has done a couple of races of in IndyCar and all the uh, the various things. So yeah, it could. Uh, well, he did his season, and then you know, even since then, a couple of in a couple of things in sports cars and whatever. So fashion bourree. Or go hang out with uh, Weber and World Endurance, man. Just you know, that's fun. That's yeah. good stuff. Cars with fenders can be cool too. But here's the interesting question. I'd love to hear uh, listeners' feedback on this. Did was Ferrari? really holding this guy back at the end or what, or is Alonzo just have an extra motivation to do well because his formula one career is on the line? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, let us know what you think. Funwithcars.com. They can uh, click on the thing and leave us comments and, uh, and whatnot. Of course, we'll talk listener feedback in a minute. Um, so the other thing and in a general sense we're talking about now is the calendar for next year. Um, which, as of now, has loads and loads of races on it, including one... 22 right now. Uh, one in uh, New Jersey. Which, that's a that's a street track that I have very high hopes for. And one in Mexico, which is a sort of road course in the center of town in Mexico City. I mean, other than the fish tacos, I really don't see it. But they're really good tacos. Though. Oh, well, okay, that's a good point. Thing. Good, solid point. Um, so just in the last, you know, over this weekend, we've heard, oh, Bernie Ecclestone doubts that this will happen now, and there's sort of more more doubt being cast over that. And I think um, as much as I want to see the GP uh, in, in New Jersey happen, I, I, I do kind of see that. I mean, I, I think it's unlikely that, you know, everyone will go for 22 races, including the back-to-back-to-back of um, – Monaco and uh, New Jersey and Canada, yeah. you know, to be, to get to New Jersey just a week after Monaco. So you know, New York to Canada, whatever, that's no problem. But um, to do that, I feel like that was sort of, they had to slot it in the calendar somewhere um, with the intention of it not really going through. Um, so I think if it does somehow go through, it'll have to be, you know, they'll have to re, you know, wiggle the calendar around to, to make that work. Um, and then again, just from my experience, you know, at the, in the, uh, the, the track in Mexico city, um, it's, 
it just it's it's so much of an effort to get that track up to modern F1 standards that I feel like to do to have that on the calendar. I mean, I guess it it is still over a year away. I mean, it's mid November 2014 that it's being talked about, but still um, within that. I mean, of course, you know, when when there's enough money involved, magical things can happen. Uh, but it, it just it just seems like if it were um, if it were properly likely to go through, that we would see more information about it, kind of uh, work starting to be done, inspections being made, talked about, you know, plans about how, what things are going to be changed. Because just there are areas of that track with like very little runoff. The way the whole seating is kind of weird because there's a football stadium or a, base, uh, it's a baseball stadium, but it can also be a uh, you know football slash soccer field as well in one corner of it. Um, and so there's like grandstands pointing the wrong way because they're like looking for the baseball game and right, there's cars right. going behind you. Like there's serious things about the way that this track is laid out and, and then the access to it is crazy because it is like right downtown in one of the crazy mega cities of the world, Mexico City. So the, the density of kind of traffic and how everything would work and whatever, it's like, you know, F1 has been there in the past, but Mexico City sort of... I mean, in the distance. I mean, right. that's, we're talking about a while ago. Right. Mexico City, you know, 20, 30 years ago is a different beast from, from now and, and to see, you know, the modern F1 calendar and what the other circuits have done and have had to do to get up to snuff and to stay current and so on. Well, I mean, the, e- the, the easiest juxtaposition is the Austin circuit that uh, hosted its first Grand Prix last year. I mean, that took years, and it was a ground up from nothing, but, you know, state-of-the-art by modern standards, and you can see what state-of-the-art means anymore, and it's high level. Right, and, and even this year, uh, there's all these, because, of course, that's only two weeks away now for this year, um, that we're back to Texas, um, all this talk about trying to improve the access from what there was last year. And we talked about that when we were there live last year um, with, you know, the whole, the buses and the different routes and what it took and where the traffic was and so on. Did and there, we ever talk, because I ended up writing for for Road and Track. I wrote an article for that. Yeah. Do we ever, because we should be like, hey, there's the thing, because I'm pretty sure it's up there. Yeah. No, and, we should uh, put, we, put a link to that. We should do that. I'm, I'm going to look at that up in real time. I'm wow. going to see if it's uh, on the web. So even web that, you know, is, is like after doing that for a year, which we thought was generally successful. I mean, yeah, there were times we had to wait, but things were moving sort of as quickly as it seemed like they could have done. Um, you know, they, they brought in just hundreds of buses from all over the area and stuff to, to move people around. So like thinking about that kind of logistical thing in Mexico is just kind of, um, I'd, be, I'd just be, would be amazed if that actually worked out to the point that that was, you know, ready to happen next year. So, I think um, it's it's you know sad but fairly likely that uh, those would be the two races that would get cut off. Uh, I think you know Russia is moving forward. We have seen pictures, and there's been a Red Bull demo on this. You know what's what's already made of the street circuit. Obviously, the Winter Olympics are happening soon in Sochi, in that same whole area with uh, with the racetrack and all that. So, um, you know, all those signs point to those kind of things moving ahead, and it's unfortunate, but. Um, it seems like that's going to be the deal, that it will be back to 20 races and that we will just have one race in the U.S., which will be in Austin, Texas, and not the one in New Jersey as well. Which, I mean, okay, don't get me wrong. It's definitely sad, but, you know, we uh, we have a race here in the States now. And it's a race that you and I, you know, we see fallibility in, and I, I think you and I would both actually prefer the New, G- New Jersey race. Is that fair? But To Texas, if we had to pick one? Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, Circuit of the Americas is a cool place. I've, you know, and yeah. partly because there's F1 there, but also, you know, all the other cool stuff that's that's been brought there. And with that's proper respect. V8 supercars. And, exactly. What know. I was going to say, World Endurance Championship and uh, the other things they have going on. What's the other? There was a, well, they had, oh, well, they had MotoGP, didn't yeah. they? Yep. So, and LMS uh, and Grand Am and next yeah, year yeah. United Sports Cars and, you know, yeah. All. So so there's a lot of respect for what they're turning it into. And uh, <laughs> Road and Track did a really cool story there as well um, with uh, – with uh, Formula One uh, hopeful uh, Alexander Rossi. And uh, I am just keep bringing up my work, and I should 
try to maybe show it to people. Um, but anyway, the um, it's a cool facility, and but that's that's the point I'm getting at. Anyway, is that we have a race here in the states that we can be proud of. So if New Jersey gets held off, that's okay. I I definitely want it to happen. I think it would be a properly good race. But it's okay. It doesn't have to be. I want it to be right, and I would hate to see it rushed and then be looked at poorly as a result. Yeah, and it's kind of weird because, of course, you know, the area of the United States is like roughly comparable to the area of continental Europe. And if you look at that, it's like, oh, well, there's six or seven races over there. So when you think about, okay, you know, England and, and Spain and Germany and Belgium and whatever, and you think about, okay, well, why not have that? Why, you know, shouldn't we have four races in the U.S. maybe if we sort of think about where the people are, where the audiences are? And uh, and also then the other thing to look at is where the car markets are. You know how many Ferraris get sold into America every year and so on. So wouldn't Ferrari and Mercedes and all these you know the the, the few uh, manufacturers that are there, or maybe Honda once they're back involved, wouldn't they want um, more exposure in the U.S.? But then you look back at sort of the you know the car market in China is what's ridiculous now. So maybe should we have three races in China? And that's another area about the size of the U.S. So, right, right, right. Yeah, right. it's just kind of crazy. You know that's which is how I think we ended up with this well, twenty-two and races. And let's not even get started on Russia, which <laughs> right. I mean. Well, sides, but the people. It's, it's, well, okay. But so, yeah, one race in Russia. Is that, so, you know, we're going to see over the coming years how, how things kind of follow money and, and exposure and brands and different things. Because, of course, uh, you know, and, and as, we've, as we talked about before, you know, India really becoming a big deal um, for the international, you know, car market and luxury items and things like that as the economy is moving forward. But, you know, now we had an Indian Grand Prix this year, but not next year. So it's already, you know, things are kind of moving in weird ways with Formula One that don't necessarily relate to... Uh, uh, you know, kind of not always as simple as I guess they, they ought to be. So anyway, we're, we're still hopeful. We think if, if the New Jersey track could come back to uh, to F1, that would be cool. Um, if not, though, if if that could be, you know, an IndyCar event or something, that might be interesting. It'd be a lot cooler than the streets of Baltimore, I'll tell you that much, um, for the <laughs> track where the only drama is people, you know, getting launched in the air over railroad tracks. You know, that's that's not the kind of drama we want in a road course. That's not good elevation change. You know, we want to see proper, you know, going up and down these hills and some tight curves and some cool stuff. And the New Jersey Port Imperial Street Circuit has that stuff. So, anyway, yes. hope that hope that comes together, but it may not. Right. And so, okay, uh, we've we've drifted off on a tangent a little bit from the Abu Dhabi race. I mean, it is tough because the major major things have already been decided. Um, and it, it, there wasn't, in my opinion, any major drama of who's going to finish second. I mean, Mercedes did, in fact, stretch their lead to be second place in the constructors, although Lotus, um, a Lotus is certainly not giving up the fight there. Um, yeah, so right now, so it's Red Bull, of course, clinching it. Um, and and yeah. then I think and Alonso got, didn't do too much to hurt his chance of being second in the championship either. Well, we got well, real quick on the constructors. So you got Mercedes please, yes. with three, 334 points ahead of Ferrari with 323, Lotus back with 297. So that is starting to become, okay, with only two races to go, you know, obviously Kimi not getting any points at all um, for Lotus definitely uh, did hurt their effort to try to move forward. So it is still sort of a three-way fight for second-place constructors, but... Um, Mercedes is is really quite strong there. We don't have any reason to think that they won't do well at uh, Circuit of the Americas. Correct. And uh, who knows if uh, you know Massa and Alonso take each other out in a fit of anger next week, then that will do no good for their points at all. <laughs> right. But uh, you know, but also uh, fairly unlikely. But yeah. So um, of course Vettel has won the championship. Um, Alonso has 217 points um, ahead of Reikkonen with 183. So yeah, I mean Reikkonen being his biggest rival and not getting any points at all. Um, and then behind him is uh, Hamilton with 175 in fourth place, and then Mark Webber with 166. So there could be still some some moving around there. I mean, sort of. And then uh, Nico Rosberg's only then a couple points back with 159. So 
second through sixth. Um, I mean, well, Alonso really, I think, has second sorted out. It's that is that is a big enough gap. But th- you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. That What's third, the gap, uh, Alonso? Second to is Raikkonen still in third, or did Raikkonen lose third? No, Raikkonen is still in third. Uh, Two seventeen to one eighty three. Mm, yeah. So that's okay. you know not likely to change. Um, Agreed. Unless Alonso has two terrible finishing races, and and Raikkonen has amazing ones. Um, but of course, Vettel's still going to be up there up front, probably doing his thing. So um, that that may end the way that it is now. Right. Right. But we've got the race in Texas at this cool track we were just talking about. Um, F one uh, Austin has already started getting. Um, uh, pretty excited about it. There's actually posters all over the place for Rush because um, it's a good sort of, you know, being a big American movie as it is and, and mm-hmm. Ron Howard and everything. Um, you know, they're sort of tying in advertising like, hey, did you see Rush? Wasn't it cool? Well, Formula One's still a thing. Like, come see it live. And, and also, if you haven't seen the movie, go see the movie. They're, they're getting clever with this cross-marketing of, of everything in, uh, in Austin. So yeah, that was a big deal because uh, I'm like, uh, you know, a member of the Circuit of the Americas because, you know, because of you and I going the race last year, and they sent me a big thing: come see Rush on on a big screen at the Circuit of the Americas. That was a big deal. Yeah, and I was like, but I already saw it, and that's really far. And yeah, you know, I still haven't seen right that here. movie, man. I gotta go. Dude, see well, it. We, here's what we need to do: go and see Rush at the track. <laughs> we're gonna go see it at uh, Waterford Hills racetrack. No, uh, you and I should go watch the movie together, and then we will podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh podcast what you think about it and uh and what we think about it and have a show about it because frankly i think um especially for younger guys um like us who didn't live through that era firsthand to you're, see... you're including yourself and younger guys there i am wow bold hey move. hey Mr. what what number does your age start with uh, it starts hmm. with a three. Oh, yeah, and says so does mine yeah, take that, old man. Fair enough. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll podcast about it. That might be maybe maybe our first off season show. Ooh. Ooh, I like it. But either way, I think we should still have fun times racing uh, in in Austin. It's going to be finally on a good time zone where, where we can uh, I at least can then watch it live and probably tweet about it and have some fun stuff going on. And then of course Brazil, uh, you know, the finale. Just you know, we'll see if, if Massa just has gone crazy at that point and is just. You know, going bumper cars to try to make his way through the field and prove right. something to somebody, or, or you know, who knows? It could be. There, there's definitely still things to uh, to watch for. I think, um, even if Vettel is 30 seconds out in front of the field, in front of everyone else, um, then just you know, we'll we'll look at the other stuff. So it hasn't hasn't gotten to a point for us where we're we're no longer watching uh, the races or anything like that. And I think uh, it should be some good ones, especially for us here on our American time zones. So we haven't had any live tweeting sessions in the last couple of races. The, the timing hasn't worked out with, uh, with with live watching and so on. But there's been a little bit of activity on FW cars, and I want to thank folks for keeping up with that. So Tim Meekins, haven't seen that name on uh, on the list in a while, but uh, he's uh, he's predicted a uh, Grosjean Weber Hulkenberg podium um, with uh, hash F1 hash FW cars, and then hash not happening. Realizing that, of course, was wishful thinking, but would be kind of cool to see some of the underdogs get their get their chance to uh, to see what's going on. And uh, the uh, and then also Geek Girl F1, Amy uh, mentioned. So so you can do donuts on the track as long as you bring the car back. Therefore, let's hope we see lots and lots more. Come on, you hey. know, lots and lots more. Come on, drivers. And uh, I think we are fully behind that. So Geek Girl F1 strikes again with brilliance. I love it. Yes, absolutely love it. Um, on Facebook, I am not even caught up with Facebook. There's all kinds of people sharing all kinds of fun stuff. Um, but uh, we. Yeah, I mean, I come on here and there's there's 20 different things saying that have happened since the last time I've logged on. So I'm out of date on this, man. We've been busy. Um, 
But uh, so uh, Ron Kasky says, uh, sent us a uh, message on Facebook. Says, hey guys, I, I really like watching Kimmy, but the accident on the opening lap seems a little fishy given all the other circumstances with the team. Go back and watch it in slow motion. He's wheeled the wheel with the caterham, jerks the wheel hard to the right, causing the retirement. It was a really extreme move. That said, I also find it strange that he's penalized with a non-racing technical issue and sent to the back of the grid in the first place. That uh, doesn't feel right either. Sounds like both parties have had enough. Well, I definitely agree with him on the second point. The first point, I think, is an, eh, it's easier. It's real easy to look at it you know, from an outside perspective and be like, oh, my God, that was... Uh, uh, I don't know. I have a hard time with that one. Well, we talked about this uh, a little bit before or during the race. Uh, is It seems like you know, he's, Kimi has threatened to not take part in the final races, but that wouldn't be... Um, it wouldn't make any sense at all, in our opinion, to go through all the hassle of, you know, you're, you're going to fly to the race, you're going to do all the media stuff and, you know, deal with just, you know, all the, the, the travel and following, doing all these things, the press conferences, whatever, then to only get to the finally the good part, which is actually driving a Formula One race car exactly. in a race. Like, oh, I qualified, oh, and then that failed, and I did yeah, the practice. Fairly competitive and do all that. and he qualified fifth. Right, and then... so. so so after that, to go and say, ah, oh, screw these guys, I'm just going to crash out, I just don't think makes makes any sense. I feel like, if anything, you skip the rest of it and just do the good part, if you possibly could. I mean, that would be the way Kimi, I would imagine, or you know, most anybody given the choice, would do it. Is But, would, but it just doesn't feel right to say, I mean, uh, you know, that either either that, you know, that the team being penalized for the, for the, the non-racing technical issue, um, I don't know that fishy. I mean, if that would be like FIA, I mean, that's not, you know, that even as, you know, Ferrari international assistance doesn't even make any sense. You know, it's like who, who would be um, benefit from that? I don't think that the team went to uh, the stewards and said, Ooh, by the way, have a real close look at Kimmy's car. Cause we want to make sure that's in the back of the grid. Like, you know, regardless of, um, and there's also been some talk about, you know, why is Red Bull pushing so hard? It's like, regardless of where you are in the championship, or even if the championship is clinched and you're not the winner, you still want to move forward. You want to win a race. You want to get as many points as possible. That is the whole point of what all of, all these people and all these countries and all these teams are working toward is the best possible results, no matter what, whether that's if I can get from third to second, I want to do that. If I can get from 10th to ninth, I want to do that. So it's anywhere, anywhere you can make an advantage. I, I you know, it's not going to be worth it to, for him to say, Oh, screw it. I've gone through all this effort. And I finally got down to the thing that I've, you know, been passionate about doing my whole life driving a race car and now i'm gonna break the car so maybe you know whatever if he i think if, if anything the most plausible thing is he was just sort of trying too hard under the you know i've got to make up a lot of points Thank i'm you. kimmy exactly. reagan i'm amazing i'm making I'm all sorts through. of gestures that no one can see on the podcast but yes 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 exactly cool. exactly right uh and then uh just to finish out his message ron says oh and go state oh right you, uh as in u of m as in football as in But no, but no, because go U of M, which is not state. No, but which is in the state, but no. Except Michigan State won, as I understand. I know, but okay, hold on. Are Uh, are we talking about basketball anyway? No, know football. (laughs) And I am a Michigan Wolverine. I have to always go for the Wolverines. It does not matter. Really? Oh, did you play on the team then? Are you part of that team? Yeah. That's that yes. That was you out there on the field. Every time So anytime you say we did well, you're talking about yourself. Every time when you're talking about any sport, yes. Because if it weren't for me going to that school and paying all that money for tuition, they wouldn't be able to afford all their stuff. So it was me every time. Go blue. Anyway, <clears throat> good on you, Ron. Even even if uh, just to uh, get under Robin, get a B in Robin's bonnet there. I'm, uh, go blue again. I'm always up for that. I will say go blue a third time. Don't threaten me. Yeah, no one, no one's threatening you. Ah, go blue. Let's see. That's just. Uh, um, but that's their color. <laughs> then uh, we've got also uh, Laurie Jordan, as always, posting delicious-looking taste of the race. And, uh, and I mean, just go to the Facebook page, basically. There's, I don't, rather than read off everything, uh, uh, everything that people have posted, there's lots of good stuff, and uh, including some discussion about uh, 
the race is not being on the calendar for next year and more and more. So thank you for folks for taking part in facebook.com slash fwcars. And if you have not been taking part, go to funwithcars.com because seriously, it's great. And yeah, then and you can, it is. And honestly, formula, uh, Lori Jordan's uh, meal looks so good it makes me want to write a poem about it. I mean, that's how good it yeah, is. Yeah, luckily you're not going to, but <laughs> I'm glad that it moves you to do so. No, I might be compelled to do it. Yeah, I mean, like even right now, I could see myself writing one right on the spot. I could see myself ending this segment. And of course, it is time for the most boring part of our podcast, as it's proving to be, predictions. Because guess what? We tied, you and me and Damien. Yeah, everybody tied. And guess what? We're going to tie again, most likely. I mean, odds are uh, I'm going to predict who I'm going to predict, and you're going to predict the same thing as me. And uh, we'll probably do pretty well. We'll probably do pretty okay. In fact, I believe you told me, I didn't look myself, but that just about everyone that plays our predictions game predicted Battle Battle except no, for so, one person. So not quite. So we had 76 predictors. That's a lot. Uh, um, including a handful of people putting Reagan in for the win, which, of course, was not a uh, in hindsight, of course. You know, at the time, it seemed reasonable enough. But, um, you know, that obviously uh, did not do well for their... Uh, championship chances so that's cool even though the, the season's settling down and whatever still 76 folks predicting we appreciate that and i think that's that is super fun so absolutely we had a handful of vettel hamiltons hamilton hamiltons alonzo alonzo's a couple of vettel raikkonens which of course 22 points because vettel being uh one did anyone away. predict this correctly no yeah so so the best possible result you could get it was one point yes which is what you and got and I got. 44 mm. folks got one point. Now, most for most people, it was Vettel Vettel. But in this case, Weber Weber was just as good, right? Because it's just you know, pole and then true. one point away. So um, props to Adam Bright, Adam Everest, and Julie McKenzie for getting one point, but by not going Vettel Vettel, which is actually kind of a bold uh, thing to do and uh, still having it go well for them. Um, so, yeah, you and I, though, and our simple statistical model, who thinks whatever happened last time is going to happen again, Damien. all got one point. And so we're all arguably tied for first or, you know, by extension, sort of 44th place because it's all the same <laughs> in a 44-way tie um, with uh, one point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being uh, part of the uh, lead folks in this, uh, congratulations to you. And I'm giving myself a pat on the back as we speak. I am in 26th place now, which is way up from where I was at the beginning of the season, back in 200 and something. So. And I am in very first place, and I have not improved at all. Right. So, so I yeah, think if, really if we're giving out paper plate awards with macaroni glued to them for most improved predictor, <laughs> then you're not getting any macaroni. Yeah, well, and you're also totally going to get a participation trophy. Hey, good, because that's, that's really all I'm hoping for. In life. <laughs> well, so uh, for the Austin Grand Prix, the United States Grand Prix at Circuit of the Americas, um, the most recent track that you and I have been to in person uh, with a lot of really cool things about it, especially because it's America. And uh, that well, really has the most recent were... Grand Prix race that we've been to. I was at Silverstone since I've been there. but Okay, fair enough. Not for Grand Prix. I'm going to predict that Vettel will be on pole and Vettel will win the race. You don't think it's going to be Hamilton, though? Hamilton has won every single race at Circuit of the Americas from Formula One. It's getting to the point. And he gets the cowboy hat and everything. It's getting to the point where I would love that. Almost just because it is not what we predicted. But at the same time, it's also because Vettel's done so well and he's done so consistently well that there's just too many practical bones in my body to deny it. And I have to say, no, I'm sorry. I would be shooting myself in the foot if I didn't think that uh, Vettel was going to be on board. I mean, think about it. Vettel. Vettel was not on pole today because he made a simple mistake, and he was still second, even 
after that. Yeah, that's kind of the point. It's, it's, if, even if he's not there, it's so much more likely that he's going to be close. I mean, Hamilton, of course, has won races and has uh, and, and obviously championship previous years and whatever, but it can, it can go so much more wrong for some of these other guys, yeah, you know? And even, even, you know, Alonso qualifying with 11 spot and whatever, you know, where it's like, Vettel, it's like if he's not there, he's so darn close. It's just amazing. And of course, anything can happen. We've got we've had DNFs for Vettel and so on. Like it could happen. You know, this could, it could have been, uh, you know, a technical floor issue with Vettel's car, and it could have been put to the back of the grid or whatever. You know, these things can happen, but they just don't seem to. So that said, I'm also going Vettel, Vettel, and probably <laughs> he will have a DNF or some or DNQ, and it'll be terrible. But whatever, that's uh, that's the risk that we take. And if so, if someone, if something crazy happens to Vettel, then those who predicted elsewhere will just clean up because if they, you know, if you're any better than the, you know, 45 of us predicting Vettel, Vettel, then yeah, you're doing a good job. But yeah, for you and I, uh, you know, I think that's the way that we're going to go. Easy enough, I guess. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, it's 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 frustrating in some ways, but at the same time, it's like, well, okay, it's you can't deny it, and so I'm not going to deny it. And uh, my prediction is already in. And uh, you know what? I'm going to stand by this one. Well, fair enough. Me too. And uh, we will have a show from you shortly after the USGP. And, uh, and then, of course, then we have our season wrap-up in Brazil. So that's exciting. But uh, either way, two weeks' time. And uh, keep tuned to funwithcars.com in the, uh, in the off week and everything as well, please, because we should have more fun stuff for you on the website. And as always, we look forward to hearing your feedback, comments, thoughts, suggestions, recipes, whatever. And uh, until then, uh, thanks for listening. I am Jim Lau. I am Robin Warner. Enjoy some barbecue, guys. Enjoy it. <laughs>